Hello, faithful listener, and welcome to the Small Voice Podcast. I'm Darren. And I'm Holly. Um, In this podcast, we will be reviewing the film sensation that is Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig. I hope you donned something suitably pink to the cinema, Darren. Uh, You know, I've got what I might call a salmon shirt, but uh, I decided that that it it wasn't pink and I thought, no, people will realise. But listen, (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll come later to my discomfort in the cinema, I am sure. (laughs) First though, Holly, as well you know, we need our health check. So how have you been? Um. This is not going to be the most, uh, I guess, uh, the the deepest of health checks that we've ever had um, because I am coming back down to my actual health. And uh, I did something to my neck at the gym on for on Tuesday and I've been in a world of pain, oh. um, not sleeping very well and uh, really, really, really grumpy. And it doesn't matter that it's getting better. I'm now kind of doing that thing where you kind of test to like the, the absolute limit of what you can do without getting pain and then all oh, the pain's still there. Oh, no. So <laughs> my health check is I have a little bit of musculoskeletal pain and I'm a brave soldier and I'm bearing it very well. But my wife might say different. <laughs> <laughs> is it is is it harder, kind of, because you know so much more about what might actually be wrong? Um, I did look up which muscle it was, so I can tell you that I have pain in my sternocleidomastoid muscle, which is kind of the one that inserts at the base of your skull and kind of goes down and helps you turn your neck. Um, that doesn't help, but I know I've not done anything <laughs> too serious. Um, and I also know that my personal trainer would kind of laugh at me. So anyway, I lifted heavy stuff and I am now paying the price for lifting heavy stuff, um, which is uh, mainly being told that I'm pathetic by my other half. But uh, what's new there? <laughs> How have you been, Darren? I was going to say, if you try really hard, there's probably a church sermon in that. I, I have been OK. I did have a, a twinge in, in my lower back if we're discussing <laughs> Our aches and pains, but a little bit of yoga exercise is kind of sorting that out. So that's fine. Um, I was trying to think about what to talk about and uh, it's sort of holiday season, um, although I'm still doing a bit of work. We're not away on holiday, but you know, in the the podcast recently, I've I've been talking a a lot about taking time, taking things slowly. So two things that I've really, really enjoyed at the start of um, the, the summer holidays in July uh, and you might laugh at this, is uh, watching the Tour de France uh, on television and listening to Test Match Special on uh, Radio 4 or BBC Sounds. Um, uh, I think it's really kind of committed to both and almost like, because we, we haven't paid money to watch the cricket, you know, on telly. So you have Test Match Special on in the kitchen and you have Tour de France on in the in the TV, and nothing happens for a long period of time. But then, when something happens, it's really really exciting. So um, I I ha- didn't do it this year, but um, there's a thing called the Tour de Fleece, which is where people who <laughs> spit who spin um, yarn. Uh, uh-huh. spin every day during the Tour de France and they'll okay. they'll they'll vary for um how much spinning they do based on how long each stage of the Tour de France is and <laughs> um I, I have competed in the Tour de Fleece before I I, I didn't this year um and uh, maybe that's something maybe I missed a trick maybe I uh, um I would have enjoyed that but it sounds that sounds nice it sounds like a, a decent pace to be yeah but it's also fascinating how, just how enjoyable it is precisely because you know, for a long, long time. I mean, of course, lots are happening. I mean, you know, these people are cycling 200 kilometres. But, you know, in terms of the race, not much is happening. And then suddenly it becomes, it's that kind of, when, when you see the highlights in the cricket, for example, it's like, but that's not what the match was like. Anyway, 
Unless unless we turn this into a, a sports podcast. Welcome to Tour de France with uh, Holly and Darren. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's worth pointing out, of course, um, that uh, it's our birthday, Holly. Uh, this podcast is. is ten years old this month. Now we are ten. Jings. Yeah, so our first podcast was um, recorded on or broadcast on uh, August the 19th, 2013. Um, I I was not a presenter then. So that first podcast was presented by uh, you, Darren, along with Anne and Margaret. That's I right. did, however, make a guest appearance. You um, did? Yeah, do you remember what as? <laughs> Uh, you, you as were myself, um, as myself, obviously. as yourself in the uh, in the in the very first um, thousand words, isn't that right? Yeah. So I was Anne's guest for um, the first uh, thousand words feature, and I talked about um, a photograph of my wife blowing bubbles in our flat after our flat was on fire. Yeah, and faithful listeners, you can go to our website and you can actually go back and listen to that. I was um, so young. I was so young. <laughs> yeah, I know. We do obviously want to thank our listeners for their support and for, you know, being with us on the journey. You know, at whatever stage they joined us in that journey, it has been quite amazing. Um, some listeners will have also picked up that this um, anniversary is bittersweet because this month uh, makes it a year since our friend and former presenter Anne um, last took part in the podcast. Um, Anne's last podcast with us was was August last year. Yeah. Um, Darren and I did record a podcast in early September um, last year, just the, the two of us um, before um, Anne um, sadly died at the end of September. Um, and that makes the anniversary a, a bit of a strange one for us. I'm, I'm sure you'll appreciate. Yeah, yeah. We've been so grateful for the support of all our listeners, you know, since since that time, you know, as, as we've been finding our way through the podcast and finding our way through grief uh, and being honest about that. And I think it's been fantastic to, to get such positive response from our listeners about that and, you know, honesty from them as well. We'll, we'll talk more about that next month. Um, oddly enough, uh, we, we we thought that this month's uh, feature was going to be a good deal fluffier. So, you know, we will commit to that. I think things are going to get pink and fluffy in just a moment. <laughs> Um, thank you to all who reached out to say you enjoyed our Amplifying Voices feature for Margaret in July. Uh, we had a, a response from Katrina via Twitter. Um, she said that she was listening on a train ride and that it was an excellent use of time as uh, she whizzed through the Lake District heading um, north. Um, she said that she really appreciated having a chance to listen to um, the Small Voice podcast about a small voice which is empowering other small voices um, and all in the sphere of broadcast and podcast. Um, a, f a fascinating and encouraging slash inspiring listen. Thanks, Katrina. That's a lovely comment. Yeah, three layers of small voiceness. That's amazing, isn't it? And um, we also want to say uh, hello and thank you uh, to Professor Lucy Easthope, um, who said hello to us on Twitter. Well, we said hello to her first. Um, you may remember uh, that I recommended uh, Lucy's book, um, When the Dust Settles, as a summer read. Uh, it's about um, disaster management. I did say it maybe wasn't a beach read. Well, in fact, Lucy tweeted back to me that it was indeed a beach read and she even put in a little uh, palm tree emoji. So that's good. Um, and she said this was a l this was lovely to listen to today and said thank you. So it's really nice when we get something back from the people uh, whose work we've been promoting. I have to say quite a few people 
uh, got in touch with us to say, oh, I've heard about that book and I'm going to read that. And that includes uh, our listener, Sheena, who tells us that she's planning to read the book. If we can just do a few uh, quick hellos as well. Um, hello to Paul, a friend of the podcast and a musical contributor back in the past. Um, we uh, saw Paul in Portobello and it was lovely to see him and hear how he's been supported by the podcast, which is quite lovely. Um, we also want to say get well soon to Shirley, who is in hospital. And thanks to Father Pip, who recommended us to others on Twitter. Holly, I don't know if you saw that, but basically someone had uh, tweeted, I need to recommendations for good Christian podcasts. Uh, and at for Pip, Father Pip, um, basically came straight in and said small voice. Yeah, I mean, that's lovely. And thank you so much. I don't quite know how I feel about being described as a good Christian podcaster. <laughs> yeah, to me, I, I may be misquoting. I mean, maybe the person didn't I, see. Good. I think the, the, the emphasis might be on a slightly <laughs> different bit. We do our best. Uh, remember, folks, you, you can contact us on our website at smallvoice.org.uk or on Twitter at small underscore voice one or on Facebook. We do love to hear from you. Now for the moment you've been waiting for our review of the um, cinematic marvel that is Barbie. Um, shall we um, start by having a wee listen to the, the trailer? Hey Barbie, can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. Do you guys ever think about dying? When my heart breaks, some things have been happening that might be related. When my world shakes, cold shower falling off my roof, and my heels are on the ground. to do you have to go to the real world you can go back to your regular life or you can know the truth about the universe the choice is now yours the first one the high heel you have to want to know okay do it again closer i am to closer i am to i'm coming with you okay so a lot going on in that trailer <laughs> So um, for those who, who haven't seen it, we're, we're going to try and keep the review as spoiler light as possible. But if you want to go into this film completely unspoiled, I would suggest that you, you stop us now and you come back after you, you've had a chance to experience the pink for yourself um, and uh, come back and have we listen to what we thought. Um, but the, as you might have understood from the trailer, the basic premise is stereotypical Barbie, who's played by Margot Robbie. Um, it lives in Barbie world with all of the other Barbies um, and Barbies run Barbie world, everything. They're on the Supreme Court. They're the president. They're everything. Um, they're all having the best day ever. And uh, then something weird starts to happen to stereotypical Barbie. She um, experiences some existential thoughts, starts thinking about death, develops some cellulite. Her feet get flat and uh, weird Barbie 
um, played by Kate McKinnon, sends Barbie uh, on a mission to the real world so that she can try and sort that out so that uh, she doesn't have cellulite or thoughts about death, uh, which are um, seem to be treated as if they're on a par with each other at that point, point in the film. <laughs> um so that's that's the premise of the barbie film all as uh, as ridiculous as it sounds um somehow that film has managed to really stress some people out darren oddly enough we just decided to review this a couple of months ago we thought about it's just a fun thing to do i don't think we sensed just how big this was going to be i mean it's, so it's a I massive I absolutely didn't. And I think when I, I think maybe I suggested it and it was because the early press with Margot Robbie and uh, Ryan Gosling was starting to get quite funny. And I thought, oh, this actually might be a film that I would quite enjoy. And it was when the the trailer came out that had um, a, the Indigo Girls close song, Closer to Fine, that you heard in the, the trailer. Yeah. Um, so when that trailer came out, I thought, oh, that's really weird. It never occurred to me that a, uh, a film about Barbie would have one of my favourite bands in it. And mm-hmm. we we share a love of Indigo Girls. So I thought that would be a great film to review. I did not think it was going to be such a, no. a sensation. No, but, but to come back to what you were, you were pointing out about, apparently it has enraged right-wing, I, say, I want to say right-wing men in particular in America. I think someone's posted a YouTube video of setting fire to Barbies or something. Think, in, in, think, I'm not sure I quite understand what it is they're that upset about. Ben Shapiro set fire to some Barbies and Piers Morgan wrote a column about how <laughs> he would get burnt at the stake or something because it was oh, all about, you know, okay. um, you yeah. can't, it was, you know, tripped. Ken is just portrayed as this himbo and I'm like, you've kind of missed the point. I think it is, it, it is a selection of some right-wing men missing the point of the Barbie film. Um, and, um, uh, but Ke- Kel Surprise. Yeah, but I have to say, you know, if this film has annoyed people like Piers Morgan, that's great. That's job done. You know, I think fair play. Um, Greta Gerwig is doing something right. Uh, the director. If a film, in, in if a film that about Barbie that includes a joke about Proustian Barbie has irritated <laughs> Piers Morgan, it feels a little bit like we're living in some sort of strange parallel universe. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, but I, more, I guess the the biggest question then is, what did you think? Did you enjoy the Barbie film? Because I can't imagine that you are number one target audience. <laughs> no, uh, I have to say. It was very, very busy showing I went to. I went to a Monday evening, 6.30 showing. And uh, there wasn't a lot of selection on, on seats for me. I was there on my own. I got abandoned by my wife who said, no, no, it's better that I don't I don't see this. Because uh, my wife, Jill, is, is one of the producers on the show. Um, and I felt a bit uncomfortable. And you know what? The teenage girls who really didn't want to sit next to me but ended up having to sit next to me, they, they, they seemed quite uncomfortable with me being there as well. So uh, that, that, that was great. I really liked the trailer. I, I sort of enjoyed the film to a certain point, but I think it it's a bit messy. I'm not sure it make, it's terribly coherent. Maybe that's not a problem. Um, and... Uh, I th- I kind of felt it pulled its punches. I I you know we'll, we'll maybe dig into that. What, what did you think? I think um, I went in with incredibly high expectations. 
Um, and this was was for a few reasons. I, one has been some of the press hype. I think Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling have a spectacular amount of commitment to the bit about this film. So listening to interviews with them about it has been really funny. And I think they've both been absolutely marvellous. Um, but also some um, some women that I really love and respect had been to see it and told me that it was wonderful. And that a few people had said that they, they'd cried at the kind of emotional um, climax of the film and I was like oh this is really interesting I don't want to know what it was but I, I can't wait to to have that experience and I don't know whether it was because my expectations were so high but it did fall a bit flat for me um but I, I don't want to be negative about it because some things about it were were really fabulous so I think the whole the styling of Barbie world is really well observed so you know little things like um you know when margot robbie drinks from a cup it doesn't have anything in it or there's a bit um i, I, I guess one thing that's not clear maybe is that helen mirren is that is does a voiceover through the the yes. film so narrating some of what's happening in barbie land and there's a bit where she explains that barbies never go down the stairs because no little girl ever takes their barbie down the stairs so they always kind of float from one floor to the other um, which I thought was really well observed and my very literal wife was sitting beside me and she turned around utterly appalled that other little girls didn't make their Barbies go down the <laughs> stairs. So, so some of that was really fun and I think that kind of communal like my wife and I aren't particularly like the kind of little girls that would play with with Barbies. I had um, I had a Malibu Barbie and a Malibu Ken once when I got them when I was 10. I think I was probably a little bit old. I thought that they were a bit I was a bit past that point of playing with Barbies. Uh, you, uh, George, my wife, clearly had some Barbies, but that surprised me whenever I, <laughs> I, I heard that about her. So, but even for us, there's a, a, a good bit of nostalgia there, and I think that was um, um, that that Barbie world. Uh, it was like BAX Airport, Barbie, uh, Barbie Air, Barbie X Airport, and. That kind of stuff I thought was really well observed yeah. and pretty funny. I, I was conscious that there were a lot of things that I wasn't getting. You know, it's a bit like um, <clears throat> watching a, a if I'm watching a Doctor Who special where Russell T Davis has put you know all all manner of little lollipops to the fans to recognise. Uh, you know, I thought there was. I mean, I mean, I think I, I, I realised later that at the start of the the film, which is a an homage to two thousand and one, a space odyssey, um, as these uh, little girls who were playing with dolls look up to this incredible statuesque um, Barbie in a swimsuit. And that was actually the first ever Barbie. You know, I, I, I did not know that when I was watching the film. Yeah. And I think if you were like a Barbie super fan or you were very interested in, I guess, the history of toys or fashion, I think probably, because mm. um, there was some some fashion stuff for, um, both around Barbie outfits, but also like vintage Chanel and that kind of stuff. I think you would probably take more from the visuals of the film. But even without that, I thought that the visuals, um, particularly in Barbie world, were, were absolutely stunning. The little jokes and, and the little Barbie Easter eggs about... Um, so Barbie world, for context, is... Um, populated by lots and lots and lots and lots of different barbies so all the barbies that have ever been made and then you'll get the odd person who's not barbie or ken so you get like discontinued barbies and there'll maybe be one of them so yeah. midge who was a pregnant barbie doll who i'd never heard of <laughs> uh skipper uh who was a bit of a problematic 
teenage babysitter Barbie <laughs> doll. And um, Alan, who was Ken's friend, whose biggest selling point was that all of Ken's clothes fit him, um, was were were also there. But they were there was only maybe one person playing each yeah. of those those characters. So you had this sort of army of Barbies. Um, I I liked bits of it. I didn't love it. Um, and I think I was trying to think about what it was that um, didn't quite hit the mark for me. And I think um, this is it's a film that has quite a strong um, or feels like it has a strong feminist message. And I guess uh, the, the main message is, you know, Barbie thinks that she um, is a feminist icon and that when she goes to the real world, that women are going to think that she's this amazing feminist icon. And Barbie is sorely disappointed when she she's, finds she's out that actually... She's called a fascist. <laughs> she's called a fascist by a teenager. And Barbie is sorely disappointed that she's not the feminist icon that she thought she was. Yeah. Um, and then towards the end of the film, um, one of the humans in so n- the non-doll characters in the film um, makes this sort of impassioned speech. Yes. And I didn't think that they'd earned that as an emotional payoff in the film i didn't feel like there'd been enough character development and it seems silly to say that there hadn't been enough character (laughs) development for a barbie doll do you think that's the bit that your friends were crying at i i don't know i think there's a there's another bit that i I won't go into that Mm -hmm. is 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 a little bit about i guess what does it mean to be human Mm. and i i thought that that bit was really um you, you know it's that classic film thing where they they show you like a a sort of montage of uh you know human moments and this yes. is what barbie is missing out on by not being a human and i was like all of that stuff looks rubbish like it's <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's very sort of stereotypically sort of heteronormative there's lots of babies yes, there's of lots course. of like it's it it isn't it didn't show my ambitions for being a human no. and i i felt that that marrying that up with the supposed feminist agenda of the film didn't quite make sense. So I think um, the the human character that I was talking about is played by America Ferreira. Mm-hmm. And if you had put a gun to my head in the cinema and asked me immediately after watching the film what her character's name was, what she did for a living or any details about her life apart from that she had a child... I would have known absolutely nothing about that character. And I felt like that was a problem. Yeah. My wife complains often and correctly that too many films end up being about fathers and their sons. It is a a real trope on TV as well. And it's just, you know, male writers working out some of their existential angst or their their background. Um, So I liked the fact that I thought this film at its heart, is about a mother and her daughter. I thought, that's great. And the mother does have this, I mean, I think it's a cracking speech about, you know, what it means to be a woman, how difficult it is to live up to the expectations, to, you know, be strong, but don't be too strong. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a long speech. I think it's a great speech. I, I, I think you're right that it doesn't kind of fully fit in there. Um, so you have that amazing speech. And you have this mother-daughter relationship. But then, actually, the film becomes about Ken. You know, Ken discovers the patriarchy. 
And so he decides that that I'm not giving too much of a spoiler away. He, I mean, you know, he, Ken thinks the patriarchy sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah. Although he does think that it means that the world is run by men and horses. Yeah. But the, for some reason. the second half, and I mean, actually, I checked the length. I, I thought it was over two hours. It wasn't. It's about six minutes shy of two hours. It did feel a long film to me because we then have this whole plot line about having to go back to Barbie land to, to sort out the mess in Barbie land. So you never quite, Firstly, it's, it's back being about men again. And, and I'm not sure that we ever quite sorted out what the issue was that had caused her to have the existential angst in the first place. But that's my that's me complaining about it, it not being I, terribly coherent. I think part of the issue is it was probably more than one story and it, it didn't have enough... Because you had to do so many set pieces to get all the wonderful Barbie jokes in, you didn't yes. really have time to tell more than one story. Um, I did like some of the stuff about the sexual politics. Um, Ken, um, it, I think it quite clearly shows that Ken's accessories, like Ken's beers and Ken's... Um, his brewski beers and uh, yes. his the horses are just as much uh, kind of um, a token of his masculinity as Barbie's clothes and shoes are of her femininity. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of helpful. Um, I thought that Ryan Gosling was fantastic, but um, I did think that um, there was a section in that where it's about men playing guitars at women <laughs> yes. that I thought was really funny. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, I don't know. I think probably... To expecting the sexual politics of a film about Barbie to yeah. be good is probably a bit too much of an ask. And I think I saw Greta Gerwig and didn't see Barbie yeah. and was maybe expecting a slightly different film. But I, I mean, it's definitely not something I would tell people to not go to see. Like, I think it was quite a solid, I would, I would recommend it. I think it was a good cinematic experience, but um, I didn't think that the heart was there. And I, I felt like um, I'd, don't I, f I almost don't want to say this because it feels a little bit too cliched but i felt like it was a bit plastic um <laughs> I, I, I i i would also accuse it of insufficient gayness oh yes 100 percent, absolutely it was insufficiently gay um th there's been a few points made about this i think um Gay columnist Dan Savage um, has written a bit this week about how he was disappointed that there weren't any little boys shown playing with Barbies because he used to play with his um, sister's Barbie when he was a little boy. I mean, it's right. It's very much um, there's no there's no little boys playing with Barbie. Um, and I think that Ken, we those of us who have been watching Toy Story for the last um, long <laughs> yes. while, um, very much feel that Ken is gay. Now, I think in this film, Ken is is closer to being a lesbian than he is to, to being a gay man. Um, but uh, I I felt like there was a lot, there's a, a feeling to which the film was kind of trying to have its cake and eat it. There was a lot of gay yes. references that never really became gay enough to be like canonically gay, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I find that a bit, as a gay person, I find that a little bit annoying because like, you can sort of see that they were going for queer references with um some of the way that kate mckinnon played weird barbie um there was a, a little cameo appearance of um, magic earring ken who um is is quite a gay coded ken doll mm -hmm. um i don't i think this film wasn't gay it wasn't gay <laughs> enough for me um yeah but actually th there's some things that are that are important there like there's there's fat barbie there's barbies yes. of all different races there's a trans barbie i think harry neff did a fantastic comic turn 
um as barbie um mm. and she's a trans actress and uh, i thought was 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 one of the funnier kind of bit part barbies mm-hmm. um so there's there's some good stuff there but it i just feel like it didn't push it quite far enough i think it pulled its punches yeah it, i mean it has been celebrated for being a critical during the film of mattel you know the company that produced barbie I, I again, I'm not totally sure. It's that cake and eat it, you know. You, there's the the speech by the the daughter who tells Barbie, you know, you set back the cause of feminism fifty years, um, and obviously Barbie's upset about that and upset about being called a fascist. But we never quite, we never quite definitively see why that's not correct. I mean, I would struggle to think that Barbie has been. A real force for good. Well, that's not that's not fair. You've just talked about representation, but you know, it, it's complicated, and I'm, I'm I'm not sure that they got away with it. But others have said, well, Luke Mattel, you know, the the, the CEO of um, Mattel is played by Will Ferrell, and um, you know, he's he's a complete klutz and idiot. So they are prepared to have fun poked at them, I guess. Yeah, but then you sort of think, well, what's the point of the film? So is the point of the film to rehab Barbie's image yes. just enough to mean so. that it's it's okay to play with Barbie again? It's and more that, than okay. <laughs> oh, that feels a, a just a, a wee a wee tiny bit. Don't you don't you think sales are gonna scoot? Oh, I think so. And some of that's going to be nostalgia. Yes. Um, so speaking of Mattel, how? Are you feeling about the, um, are you feeling super excited about the forthcoming, what are we going to call it, the Mattel Cinematic Universe? Because I understand that there are an awful lot of Mattel films in uh, pre-production. Um, so I think Hot Wheels is the the, the big one. There's um, meant to be a Polly Pocket film. I think they, they also have the rights for Barney, the purple dinosaur, He-Man, yeah. Masters of the Universe. I- I, I don't know, and I, I don't know if they'll try and make it all cohere in the same way as the Marvel Cinematic Universe does. I wish I, they would. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think they're, they're obviously seeing pound signs. And listen, I had Hot Wheels. I had those little toy cars and, and they were great. But I mean, I struggle. It just sounds, sounds like, like uh, sorry, what's the name of the director who's doing it again? It's a really good director, isn't it? J.J. Um, Abrams. J.J. Abrams. So, I mean, that, that's, that could be amazing. But you think, isn't it just Fast and Furious? I mean, we've kind of got it. It's just cars driving fast. But who knows? If, if you'd said to me that there was going to be a successful film about Barbie... I, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have believed you. I guess until you say you say the magic words Greta Gerwig as the director and Margot Robbie, who let's not forget got got the rights to this and and actually approached Greta to to make the film. But in some ways, I think in retrospect, Barbie makes sense because if you look at that soundtrack, you know they've commissioned songs by Lizzo and Nicki Minaj, and um, they they there's there was a clearly somebody saw a way of doing Barbie that made sense. Whereas I can't see any kind of coherent coherent nostalgia of that kind for something like Hot Wheels. But I I guess maybe that's me not being a little boy at any point. So I, I, maybe I, I'm wrong. I can't I, do Mattel make Action Man? I can't remember. I mean Um I don't I don't think so. Action Man the movie. I actually, you know, there might even have been one a while ago, but I, I can imagine them doing something like that. But at the same time, you know I do want, I mean, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, I mean, I think they're struggling a bit now with some of their viewing figures for their their TV offerings. I think, are we still obsessing about, you know, men wearing their pants over their trousers? I mean, can we grow up? I'm I'm definitely interested in 
you know some some new uh intellectual property being made into to, to films i'm interested in new stories and um i i don't you know it this doesn't quite quite do it for me as a as a concept but yeah. maybe i'm completely wrong and actually i enjoyed barbie and maybe i should just wait and see what happens um i mean ultimately though i think closer to fine is an absolute tune and if all this film does is introduce indigo girls to a new generation of uh, of women i will be uh, happy with that yeah um and i'd, I'd really like um the band i'd like emily and amy to make some money <laughs> yeah I, I i think that you know I, I don't know how many guitars emily's got but i imagine she's going to be able to buy a few based on the well the i um a, before we next record our podcast i will have um, seen them um live yes. in in cardiff so um, you can look forward to hearing that uh, from me next the, month the... um what was your experience of seeing barbie just to, to finish off it was a packed film full of full of women and it was really nice to see a full cinema for that so that was my experience of seeing barbie yeah I, i've talked about my discomfort if you like um and maybe i was projecting that um I I was surprised by the the range of ages. I mean, there were there were little girls there of you know I guess five or six. I know that's fine. The parents can take them along. I wasn't sure, I, intrigued to know what they were getting out of that because I don't, I don't think the film was necessarily aimed at them. But I think there is no doubt I, I wasn't the target audience, and I think uh, it, it, friends of mine have got in touch and said, "Oh, it was fantastic. I loved it," and I think a good experience for, for women to get together and just have a good laugh. I'm a bit surprised at the crying like you, but you know, hey. Yeah, I mean, I think anything that's good for, um, I guess, a experience of having a communal viewing experience in a cinema, a packed cinema, I think is 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 generally good for humanity. So um, I, as I say, I think the Barbie versus Oppenheimer stuff and how busy the cinemas have been this week, I think is uh, is a really positive thing. So um, yeah. that's definitely uh, definitely a good thing to um, to come out of this. Yeah, and I should finish by saying um, we would love to hear from our listeners if you've been to see Barbie the movie do tell us what you thought of it um I, I think there's a lot still to be said about it uh and uh I, I do want to mention without any spoilers quite a memorable final line to the film uh, joining the great pantheon of, of great closing lines of films no spoilers from me um, and if you want to send us your thoughts um, and comments uh, about Barbie or about anything else, um, you will find us on Twitter um, for now at small underscore voice one um, and find us on Facebook. Um, again, just uh, search for small voice and look for the panda or email us at the.team at grf.org.uk. OK, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave now and uh, take off my pink sweater. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll be back next month. Mm-hmm.